Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast with Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson. Welcome to episode number 80, I think it is, of the Eyes on Isles podcast. Matt is away, and so I am joined by Mikey CLT from The Hive, Isles Meetup Charlotte. Mikey, how's it going? What's up, brother? How's the auto treating you, man? It is cold. It's very cold here, I'm not going to lie. It's, uh, I think we did the math, it was minus 13 Fahrenheit here. Oh, man. So can you like skate to work? Because I, I know that's a thing, right? People like ice skate to work. I probably could, but they just lay down a fresh layer of sand. So that'll definitely screw up my skates. Oh, OK. But I pro- there's a good like two inch thick layer of ice on all of our streets. Crazy. It's a good time. It's a, a great time. How's Charlotte? Nice and, and comfortable, I would imagine. Yeah, we uh we had some rain last week, but it's it's now like the perfect time to be in charlotte like it's going to be 65 and sunny basically every day mm. until like may so God. this is this is my favorite part of uh, part of the year definitely down here so i'm jealous i'm so jealous <laughs> but <laughs> it's fine i chose to live it well, i didn't choose but like i'm here i could move if i want to and i won't so i like it um so you're obviously from isles meetup charlotte you want to like just talk about what what meetups are we've talked about it before but just you know to those who may not know and then we can get into talking about the new york islanders a little bit people usually keep plugs for the end i like getting them right out in the start yes yeah, so uh it's just a way to bring fans together in other markets outside of new york and well actually we do have one in new york too on long island <laughs> but <laughs> just a, a really nice way to bring fans together to be able to watch games with other you know, diehards, like it's just a beautiful thing. And, you know, we're out in L.A. now, Colorado, the Midwest, they're they're popping up all over the place. And I'm all for it, you know, especially when we have our fan base kind of turning on each other right now. We need to kind of be unified and come together and just realize that we're all in this together and we all root for the same team. No fan is better than another fan. We're, mm-hmm. we're all in this together. 
I love it. I, I love the fact that there are meetups everywhere. Uh, usually you see fan groups as, as pockets. And, and especially here, it's like this, this pocketed tribalism. Whereas if you're in Ottawa, then you have to love the Ottawa Senators. And you're going, well, no, <laughs> that's stupid. Why do I need to do that? Uh, and because there are so many people that leave New York itself to go live elsewhere or around the United States, um, there's just naturally going to be pockets of Islanders fans elsewhere. And it's to bring those in because our, our fan base is, let's face it, it's smaller than, than most. But through these methods, through these meetups, we are bridging that divide. And, and we're seeing like, oh, my God, there, there's actually more of us out there than I thought there were. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I you know, that's a shining moment of, for me is to know that, you know, people are realizing that there are Islander fans literally everywhere, you know, even in freaking Ottawa. <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> um, OK, so we, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. I'm cutting. No, we, we, we need you to start it up. Let's let's uh, let's start. <laughs> Isles meet up Ottawa. Let's Isles go. meet up Ottawa. Let's, everyone cross the border for uh, they're, they're going to be playing in March. Let's do that. <laughs> OK, I'm all for it, man. Let's get into some Islanders talk because there's uh, some things that happened this week. Um, usually we like to save like the, the big A block topic to the end, just kind of like keep keep people listening to the end. But we're going to flip it this week and talk about the trade deadline right away because that's what everyone wants to talk about, obviously. Um, the New York Islanders went into the trade deadline hoping to add a top six forward, I assume. Um, they came out of it with nothing. So before talking about what they could have got, what they missed out on, what are your initial feelings of not getting anything? And, and, and even as well, what, what is your feeling on, on the notion of they stayed pat? Because I've got some thoughts on just the, the, the wording of that. I think the worst part of it was all these insiders that were saying, oh, the Islanders are hot on this player, on that, play, on that player. And then all of a sudden, we don't, we don't get said player. And then it's like, oh, we want it to stay put. And it's like, wait, then why were your names out there for all these you know hot free agents like i'm not too sure where the script switched and all of a sudden no we wanted to stay put we like the team we have i feel like that was kind of like a a cop out okay i i can see that i i think so i we have to realize that the insiders don't know much especially when it comes to lula morello they don't know anything um and we all fell victim to it. We all did. I remember, I think it was last week when Matt and I talked about predictions for the trade deadline. We both came out of it saying they're going to add Matt Duchesne. And it was simply because of the momentum throughout the, the, the lead up to the trade deadline where we were just being told that they're right in on him. And then you look at, we have the cap space. We have the need. We have the desire. And we have the assets. And you're going, we have everything. Like, that's plausible cause for a trade for Matt Duchesne. Like, that just makes sense. And then it's, we didn't want to give up a top prospect. And you're going, well, like like you said, that's kind of completely different than what we were led to believe just a week ago. Yeah, you know, you, you kind of have to give up some top prospects if you're going to land these big names. You know, a trade has to hurt a little bit. I like, yeah. I like that. <laughs> like, it has right. to hurt. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know how you expect to land these guys if you're not giving up a Beauvillier or a Wallstrom or like these names that we love as Islander fans, but you would have to have given up one of them. Right. So um, I guess that gets to the they brought in nothing, but they seem to be in on everything. And then they seem to be shopping at least two of their assets. And that was, according to Arthur Staple. The deal for Matt Duchesne, not in its entirety, but some of the working pieces for Matt Duchesne, 
was Anthony Bovilli, like you brought up, and the 2019 first-round pick. It seemed that Lou was willing to trade both of those. Uh, but then when it got into the echelons of like, okay, well, we want more than that, he was kind of like, nope, no thanks. Um, and I think that's just it. The, the plan, as he, as he referred to, was not was to not give up like a Dobson, a Wallstrom, a Wild, or or a Kiefer Bellows, I guess. How do you how do you fit on that? How do you fit on on the plan that Lou Lamorello has in place? Uh, I I would have definitely considered giving up Bellows. Uh, you know, I I do love Beauvillier and the chemistry that he has with Barzell, but I think we've seen who he is, and he's very streaky. And we already have streaky players on our team. And if they're all cold at the same time, which is kind of going on right now, you're yeah. seeing, you, you're, you see what that, you know, what could happen. Yeah, that's, that's true. He's absolutely streaky. And I think you, you hit it right on the head that we've seen what, what Beauvillier gives us and we've seen where we're getting with him. And this is three years now where they've had to do something drastic to kind of shake him up, right. To get something going from him. Uh, and it's just kind of, do we have to do that every year to kind of make you realize that you're better than this and to bring that game out of you? Because if so, then I don't think we need to do that. And with that being said, when you look at the trade deadline and that's what he was willing to give up, if the Islanders are seeing that and the fans are seeing that, you have to know that the other 20 or 30 teams out there are also seeing that going, well, why would I want Anthony Beauvillier if it's going to take him going to the AHL every year for him to wise up? Why would I want that? Yeah, so that means we probably would have have given, you know, needed to give more than just that. And, you know, at this point, I I don't really need to hold on to these draft picks. You know, how many years have we kept all these draft picks? We had two first-round picks last year. Like, we got to make moves. We're in first place. All the other teams around us were getting better. And we didn't address the need of fixing our power play. And we saw it last night. So that's that's one thing that, that we'll get to a little bit later as well, specifically just the power play, but not not bringing someone in. And so going into the trade deadline, then what was the one thing that you thought the Islanders absolutely needed? No matter what, you had to leave the trade deadline with X. What was that X? Someone that we could put on the power play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and someone that could bury 20 plus goals, you know. We, we don't have many goal scorers right now. It's kind of, you know, next guy up steps in and, and helps us get the win because we don't really need to score that many goals right now the yeah. way our defense is playing. But I think we needed at least someone who could contribute offensively. Right. And, and I think that's what we all thought. I, and by the way, I, I've said this before. Like, I'm okay with them. I think I said it on, on our patron show last night after the Flames game. I'm okay with them not bringing someone in if the price was Noah Dobson. I'm okay with that. I'm not okay if the price was like Bodie Wild, maybe, um, or even Kiefer Bellows. I'm okay with that. Um, but you're right. Like leaving the deadline for me was you needed to bring top six talent in because when we had it was the game before the Flames game, so the game leading into the trade deadline, the second line was Leo Komarov, Matthew Barzell, and Tom Kunagel. That's not a good second line. No terrible second line, and that and that kind of makes you think like, oh, are they about to make a move, a big move? Like we just got to get through this game the way that the lineup is. But then it's 
kind of what we're left with. Right. And so then, then and I don't bring- want to, I don't want to bash it because we're like, we're a first place team with this lineup, but you know, you, you need to go into the playoffs hot and you know, we, we need to start burying some goals. You know, we can't just rely on our defense and our great goaltending because that can also go through a cold spell and you know, there, then we're left <laughs> chasing other teams instead of being in the lead. Yeah, you can't go through, uh, or you can't get into the playoffs with one factor being hot. You need multiple things clicking at the same time. And the Islanders have, like you said, the goaltending. They had the defense. The penalty kill isn't terrible. It's middle of the pack. But that power play is awful. And that secondary goal scoring just isn't there. Look, Cases Ezekis is, what, third or second on the team in, in goals? Cases Ezekis. Yeah, well, I have strong feelings about that fourth line and the way they've been playing. I I was kind of kind of negative on them when they brought the, the Matt Martin back and then just made me realize that Lou Lamorello might have been smarter than we thought and that chemistry just picked up right where they left off and they are just killing it. You know, look at Zeker last night mm-hmm. in that five on three. Uh, penalty kill, just throwing his body around, jumping in front of shots. Like, I'm all for that, man. Oh, yeah. You give me a clutch play like that, I'll take that over a goal sometimes. At least in terms of, like, the emotional impact that it leaves on me. Because I, I love seeing guys just get in front of a, of a shot. Then they're down 3-1, and he's still doing this. Like, or sorry, no, that was the 5-on-3, so they're only down 2-1 at that point. Uh, or no, it was tied 1-1. I'm thinking of another game. So, like, yes. it's tied, and he's throwing his body on the line like that. God, that feels so good. Um, but it, you, you said something there that, that I think we need to touch on, and, and it's Lou Lamorello and, and being literally the smartest man in the room when it came time to building this team at the start of the season, where we all looked at the, the players he was bringing in and the decisions that he was making, and we were going, Lou, what the heck are you doing, bud? This is going to be a tire fire. And then their first place in the division. But then when you look at what happened at the trade deadline, and, and again, he was in at least on Matt Duchesne and, and even according to Arthur Staple, in on Artemi Panarin. And from what we understand, he made an initial pitch, like probably most teams, made an initial pitch for Matt Duchesne and laid out what he wanted to do. And then Pierre Delion, in his due diligence, came back and asked, okay, well, like now that we're at the deadline or close to it, what are you going to give me more than what you told me earlier? And Lou ain't, wasn't willing to budge. He had to see that that was coming, right? Like, I saw that that was coming. I'm sure I'm not the only one who saw, like, this is going to be an initial offer. Pierre Dorian is going to double back saying, like, yeah, okay, I'll take your your offer of Anthony Bovelli in a first, and, and we're, we're good to go. No, it's going to be, all right, you said Bo in a first. What else? Because I got other people calling me. Like, I, I think that, that that was a a a bad play by Lou. Yeah, and, and now we have Duchesne playing in the Metro. <laughs> against the uh, now stat like you look at their top six and my god that is a strong team up top yeah and I think the underrated uh pickup was Keith Kincaid and not for his playing ability but for his social media ability he is an absolute gem on social media that's true he's got to sell Columbus somehow um, yeah. and, he, and you're right he's a good goalie too so you put him after Bob, like, okay, well, Bob isn't doing tonight. We're going to put in Keith Kincaid. That's a pretty good backup to put in. Like, uh, probably the best one that you could put in the league right now, aside from Thomas Grice or Robin Leonard, whoever you decide is the backup. 
Yeah, and he's a Long Island boy. And when he was in That's Albany, I, I used to be his waiter. <laughs> oh, really? Wait, his yeah, personal waiter? Not his personal waiter, but he would always come in after game nights with like Mike Sislo and like some other guys that were in on the Albany team. And he would always come and sit in my section, and he was awesome, even though I'd always tell him how I'm an Islander fan, and he would just laugh it off. And he was a super nice guy, so power to him. Yeah, that's great. Well, he's clearly a nice guy. You can see it on social media on the daily. Um, so I, I, I feel like that was a misstep by Lou. Uh, and, and I don't think it's going to be a recurring theme. It just seems that he, A, either misunderstood the market, or B just went in saying I'm gonna I'm gonna put a line here I'm gonna put up feelers and I'm gonna try and, and if if they don't bite well then that's their own fault and I don't care because I still have my prospects and the, to me that seems that you still left that deadline adding nothing and I understand yes there's a chemistry in this team and bringing in a player could potentially ruin that chemistry uh, but could also not so it just seems like well you're just not gonna bring anyone in then you only have to bring in draft picks to bring them in so this like quote-unquote culture that you have going on like I, I don't understand how you're going to ever bring in new players I would even be cool like now that I think about it if they just like mix up the power play because <laughs> there's a, you know there's some people down in Bridgeport that we could bring up when we make our run in in the playoffs and we just need to mix up that power play because it just is not producing they're struggling even getting into the zone and they're doing that whole like Ovechkin setup at the top of the circle play, but then they're missing the net. They need someone <laughs> like, why not give Devontae's a, a shot on that first power play? You know, he's been producing and he, he's got a slap or two. Why not see how he does in that position? So let's or maybe put... just him have Pulak and Taze on the first power play and yeah. give Letty the sec, you know, the second piece. Yes. Yes. Okay. I want to I want to put a pin on that because our, our third topic is Ryan Pulak, the power play whisperer, and, and I just want to put a pin on that because let's get back to talking about or not get back to let's bring the power play topic back into it because I, I I have to talk about the power play and we have to talk about mixing it up and, and changing things a bit. I to those who've listened to the, the podcast, I've said this before, but I'm going to keep saying it. I'm going to just keep repeating it until it, it it becomes true. Um. So we're about like 20 minutes in. Do you have any final thoughts on um, the trade deadline and, and standing pat? I, I, I'm saying that because I want to bring it back to standing pat because I have some comments well, on, on that, it, that it's, wording itself. It's the Islander way. Like that has been. <laughs> that's what, been Is what it though? Using. It is like the last. The end result is, but was like the, the execution or the attempt of the execution still the Islanders way? No, because we were in on big names. Like normally, we yes. wouldn't even be on like in the conversation. But mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. fact that we were kind of made me think like, oh, this could happen. We have yes. someone different running the ship. You know, we can finally get this big name. But at the end of the day, I can't really complain too much. We are in first place. Let's just mix up what we have. And there, you know, I love every single player on our team. I, I think that they really meshed well together this year. And I, I, I can just ride this team out. I'm cool with that. And so with, with that being said, and I'll get back to my, my thoughts on, on the trade deadline and, and, and so on and so forth. You want to writing this out. What is the success for you for this team this season? I know this isn't necessarily a topic, but they're going to make the playoffs. Do you care if they exit the first round? Would you be upset if they, they, they 
lose even in in four games and they get swept in the first round would you care i would yeah if we get swept in four games i'm gonna be that's a disappointment at this point um i'd like to see us win another round and especially if we win the metro and have home ice advantage and we're playing that first round of the coliseum if we don't win that first round yet i think you have to chalk that up as a disappointment okay i i agree I think even if they take it to get to seven games and they lose that first round, I'd be kind of disappointed. I'd be overall happy with the season, but I'd be disappointed with the playoffs. Just, just for me, the regular season and playoffs are two separate things. I, I know most people also say that like it's a totally different season, and it is. Like you have the regular season that's an 82 game grind, and then you have a tournament at the end. Like the playoffs is a tournament. We have to remember that, and so I, I think it's important to, to, to realize that. We can have a disappointment with the playoffs, but I don't think we should be disappointed as a whole if they do drop out of that first round. Yeah, the the playoffs is a, it is a different season. Yes, one hundred percent. It's a totally new season, and the players are know that they only have so many games that they have to win, and they could live out a boyhood dream. <laughs> Man, oh my god, if they can lift the cup this year, the the smug on Lou Lamarillo's face as he gets on the ice would be just like it would encompass everything It'd be like a black hole it would suck everything in just like you have to realize what's going on here how smug i am because i was right and you guys were all wrong oh that would feel so good yeah i, I think that's the beautiful thing about the playoffs is literally the last team in has a chance at winning the stanley cup that's right it's not it's not always the team that has the the most you know mvps or the 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 best players of the league it's just a team effort, and sometimes you just got to ride a hot goalie. You never know, you know, who that could be, and you, we saw that with Thomas Grice, at, you know, a few years ago. <laughs> like, who was who was seeing that coming? Yeah, but no one. No one saw no that one. coming. So oh. you, you can't really predict once, you, once the playoffs start. So, you know, the fact that we have home ice advantage, though, and it's at the Coliseum, that, that could definitely make a difference. Yeah, you have to take any advantage you can get when you get to the playoffs, and it seems that the Islanders at least have all that going for them uh, at the moment. So on the standing pat thing, I I really don't like the connotation that the Islanders stood pat because they didn't. They tried to go for something. It's not like Lou was on like deadline day going like, well, I'm going to go and twist my thumbs and be like, well, give me a Werther's. It's going to be a good day to do nothing. (laughs) Might as well take a nap. Like the guy just didn't sit there and do nothing. I, or it wasn't like Gar Snow, like, I better call Peter Shirelli and see what he's doing. Oh, wait, he doesn't have a job anymore. Like, it, it's, it wasn't going to be the same strategy. And, and like you said earlier, he was in on, on the big names. He was in on Duchesne. He was in on, on uh, Panarin. And he was arguably in on, on Mark Stone. It just he wasn't willing to meet their price. So it wasn't a standing, an issue standing pat. It was, I'm, I'm trying to bring in this talent, but I, I, I have a price and I have a line that I've set. And that's something that we have to appreciate of, of there's a GM in place now who has a plan and is willing to stick to it. Whereas before it just seemed like Jar Snow was rolling the dice every year going like, we'll see what we got three goalies. Let's see what we got. Like he did. There was no concrete plan aside. Like we have to build through the draft, but he had no concept of how to actually do that aside. I'm just going to draft and then we'll see what happens. That's a good point. Uh, and having a plan and sticking to it, you know, Maybe that was Lou's plan all along. Maybe he just wanted to jack up the price for all these other teams. <laughs> Who knows what his thinking was? 
That's true. He's playing the long game. He's 10 steps ahead of everyone right now. Right? Who knows? I, so it's possible. The man is clearly a genius because, again, like you keep saying, they're in first place. <laughs> they're in first place, and they brought in Phil Pelot, Komarov, Matt Martin, Tom Kunak on the offseason, and lost John Tavares. <laughs> first place. Yeah. that It's a beautiful thing. Uh, it, it makes getting up every morning pretty nice knowing oh. that we're sitting in first place. Does it ever? Does it ever? Oh. Okay, so let's move on to our, our next thing. We, we've talked about the deadline and, and, and how we feel about it. Um, and, and I'm sure that everyone's got their own take, but I, I think we can all come to consensus that it was disappointing not to add, but ultimately we're not going to be upset because, like you keep saying, again, they're in first place. But let's Amen. bring it to, to some defensemen because we spoke about Ryan Pulak, and you also mentioned Devin Taves. We want to talk about Devin Taves specifically. Uh, before, when we were writing our running order, we usually do our running order on Sunday nights, a little peek behind the curtain. Um, he was on a five-game point streak. Uh, he has since broke that because he didn't get a point in Cal- against Calgary. But he still has uh, five points in his last five games. And we just want to give some love to Devin Taves and really kind of try to project what his future is based off of what we've seen so far. Uh, and also kind of like hype up the fact that he's only costing $700,000 on the cap for this year and next. Yeah, so I have a cool little Devontae story. He went to okay. college, uh, the same college as my wife. So I was always following Quinnipiac hockey. and I, I used to go to Quinnipiac hockey games when she was there. And ever since we drafted him, I was just excited that we had a Quinnipiac guy on our team. And then I kept following him through, you know, the the rest of the seasons at Quinnipiac and then his few years in Bridgeport and I was like all right this is our guy like he is a stud and I actually bought a Bridgeport Sound Tigers Devontae's jersey <laughs> and, and wow and all hopes of like rocking it when he would come down here in Charlotte because they they play the Charlotte team and I always send out a group you know when Charlotte uh, when Bridgeport's in town and sure enough last year when I got the jersey he got hurt like two games oh. before before they played in Charlotte. So I never got to wear it then. And then no joke this season, he got called up like that, that same week before, before they played it. So like, I've never got to wear the Jersey when he was on the team, but I'm, I'm a big Devon Taze supporter. Uh, I like to call Devin from Yesman Outfitters Devon, and he does not (laughs) like it at all. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to do that tomorrow. Hey, Yo, that's a yeah, please don't say it was me. Uh, I, no, it's all on me. I'm just inspired by how you befriend him. Oh, <laughs> uh, So, okay, talk to me about how I, I never saw him playing Quinnipiac. I know that they made a final, a Frozen Four. I'm gonna, I was going to say Final Four, but I know they made a Frozen Four, and I think they even went to the finals, did they not? And they lost out they to Boston University, was it? Yeah, they were in the finals, and like, you know, Quinnipiac is a beautiful campus, and they recently redid their whole ice facility. But before his group was there, and, like, there's a ton of NHL guys now from that year, uh, like the the Connor Jones and his brother. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, yeah. There, there's definitely a bunch of Quinnipiac. Uh, St. Dennis down in Bridgeport's also from that team. Right. There's definitely, like, there was talent on the team, but Devontae's was a leader on that team. And to take a team that plays in the ECAC, which is, you know, some of the best college hockey there is, and take that team from basically nothing into a, a, you know, championship team is pretty impressive. And, you know, 
I think he's a, a winner and a leader and his skating ability is fantastic. He's yeah, he's like one of the best defensive skaters I've ever seen. He's quick with his transition plays and he's got obviously offensive ability. As you've seen, he has 12 points in what 20 something games he's played. He has, yeah, 12 points in 28 games. So just under half point per game. Yeah. <laughs> it's insane. It's and, insane. And, and that's on the second power play. It's not even like he's getting first power play minutes. Right. I think it's starting to trend. But we'll, again, we'll we'll get to that pin that we that is is dying to come out. That pin is dying. It's shaking. Um, For me, it's it's when you saw him, like if you just look at his stat lines, just his points in both Quinnipiac and, and since they drafted him from Quinnipiac and up until just this season before he started playing in the NHL, you saw a player who was getting better and better and better just, just to statistically with the points he's putting up. He's putting up more and more and more points. And he was, what, a fourth-round pick, if I'm not mistaken? That sounds fourth? correct to me. Yes, fourth round in 2014. Goodbye me for remembering that. I usually don't remember that kind of stuff. Um, And, and we're seeing that now where he's he's older. He's 25 years old. So he's he's fully, not fully matured, but he's at least comfortable in his body and his abilities. And he is not destroying the league, but he's been a revelation for the Islanders. We already assumed that he was going to be good. We just didn't think he was going to be this good. So with that, what are you projecting him? Like, what do you think he'll end up being? He's at least a top four defenseman. I know Barry Trotz won't use him that way yet, but it's his first year in the NHL. But he's a top four defenseman on any other team, is he not? I think he is. And, you know, I don't think on this team he's going to crack into that first pairing just because we have Boychuk and Luddy forever. But yeah, I I think that he, you know, based on his performance, these 20 something games, I feel like he deserves to be, you know, in that conversation. And, you know, seeing Scotty Mayfield sit last night also kind of was a shocker because he leads defensemen in the plus minus category. I know we needed to get Hickey back in, but yeah, I, I think that we had something going and Mayfield has been there all season and he's been consistent. I know I'm kind of switching topic when I talk about Devontae's, but I I think that those guys, Taze and Mayfield are are our youth. And I think that moving forward, they, those two guys should be in the top four pairing. Definitely. So I, I, I want to take a tangent and talk about that specifically. Matt and I spoke about it in the post game a little bit. And how Mayfield sat for Adam Pellick. Essentially, that, that's how we see it, anyways. Uh, it, it was he sat for Thomas Hickey because they brought Thomas Hickey in the lineup and took him out. But when you you look at that lineup, you're going Adam Pellick's got to be the guy to go. Uh, he's got to be the, the the odd man out to keep Scott Mayfield because Scott Mayfield has been pretty darn good for the Islanders. He brings a physical presence. He can push forward uh, and and create you offense. Uh, and he can really just kind of do a good job in the neutral zone and just shutting down the blue line. And they, they kept Adam Pellick. And it was just kind of obviously Barry Trotz is, is, is being paid four million dollars a year for a reason to coach his team. Uh, and I am not. But when you look at that, there's a lot of kind of really what did you see? Like, what are you looking at? Obviously, there's something. I just I want to know what it is. Did, and you do you kind of get the same sentiment? Like, why did they take out Mayfield instead of like Pellick was the obvious answer for me? I think it goes back to that expansion draft. Like he was one of the few players we protected. Like, is he like the coach's pet or something? Like, I, 
I don't know what he's the only the one who knows how to make the coach's coffee. Yeah, something because he's been kind of in the lineup at times where that, that do make your head scratch and you're like, wait, why him over, for example, Mayfield last night? And I I sometimes have to go back to like the vision test and like what you see as a fan watching the games and most of the time where like there is a scoring chance or a really bad turnover, who's on the ice? Yep. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Adam Pellick. Yeah. So I, I I hope that they figured that out and they were just giving Mayfield a mental day like they said they were and just getting like letting him recharge his battery for tomorrow night. But I hope that's not what they're doing moving forward. Yeah, I, I just I don't I don't see how that could be the, the answer, because, again, Pellick is the guy that usually, like you said, is not at fault, but at least there. And you could kind of see like, well, there's a reason that that play is going the other way. But then he's he also played five minutes and 19 seconds worth of, of shorthanded time last against the, the, the Calgary Flames. And they didn't let in say sorry, they let one power play goal in. But I think that was Boychuk on the ice and not Pellick. Um, so, like, he's got some value. Uh, and do you do you put Mayfield for five minutes and change on, on the PK? Probably not. No, but, I don't think so. But, like, no one else is up there. Like, it's. Adam Pellick was 519, Johnny Boychuk was 452, and then the next highest is Ryan Pulak in a minute 45. Like, those are the two guys that Barry Trost trusts when it comes to killing penalties. Okay, so if that's the reason that they're keeping him on the ice, then I'm, I'm for it because, our, like you said, our penalty kill hasn't been awful this year. That's, yeah, it's middle of the pack. I think last I checked, I don't think they had updated it for the Flames game. They were 17th overall. Yeah, so... I, I, if that's the reason, and you know that might be, then I'm for it. I'm, you know, I, I'm not a stats guy, but right, that's fair. Yeah, it, that that's the thing. Like I, I was trying to justify it to myself because looking at it, you're going, that doesn't, that doesn't seem right. And to me, that's the only justification is that he really likes him on the PK, and the PK's been doing okay. So you're like, all right, I guess, but like when it doesn't go okay, you're going to put someone else out? Like, I don't... Maybe try Mayfield at the, at the PK instead well, of Johnny Boychuk I don't want it to be a revolving door like it used to be the past few years. I don't want it, a different defenseman making its way into the lineup every single night. I think that, you know, we need to have it consistent. We need the same group of guys in there unless there's, you know, someone banged up and they need an off day. But I just don't want it to be like, oh this player made a mistake tonight. Let's put so-and-so back into the lineup. I, I don't want that again. Right. Then and again, I watch a lot of soccer. If those again, who listen. Um, and the, the one thing that a lot of coaches like to do is they keep their back four the same, no matter what, like they establish their top back four. So they're four defensemen and they don't change it from that. Unless like you said, there's an injury and they have to, um, but other or a suspension. Other than that, they don't like changing their top four. Uh, and the Islanders have to kind of do that, not only with their top four, but their top six. Um, and we'll see. I, I hope it's not that Mayfield goes out, but so far that seems to be the case. But getting back to, to Devin Tays, and so you said that he's a stud. Do you, you think he can hit top two? Because it seemed that the only reason you're talking yourself out of it is because of Letty and Boychuk. Yeah, that I think that's what's holding it back for me is those two guys are ahead of him and, you know, they're going to be here for a while. But everything I've seen him do so far, 
shows me that he could be a top parent defenseman. He's a big body. He's can skate with the best of them. He's smart with the puck. You know, <laughs> he's just checking off boxes that you want. Right. Yeah. And he has offensive ability. He can, he can rip a shot and he's, I think he's a little more accurate than, you know, Pulak. I don't want to, com- I don't want to compare the two, but I think his, you know, he's definitely a little more accurate at this point. Yeah, he's he's absolutely more accurate than, than Ryan Pulak. So on that, let's transition to Ryan Pulak because let's start taking that pin out and, and give it the satisfaction that it, it desperately craves. Uh, Ryan Pulak on the power play has been a revelation uh, for the Islanders, especially recently, where over the last, I'm going to say, 10 games, I think it was, he has like an 83% impact on the Islanders' power play, whereas he's been on one of the uh, either scored the goal or hit an assist on 83% of the power, the Islanders power play goals over the last 10 games. He's in that OV office. He's hitting the net and he's getting it to go. Uh, just exactly what you want from the Islanders. But we haven't seen that, that, that like consistency, not only just from him, but from the power play in general. So we can say that Ryan Pulak power play whisperer, that's great and all, but there's more than just one guy out on the ice. And it doesn't seem like the Islanders are taking advantage of that. So, Let's talk about switching the power play around. How would you switch it around right now? You talked about someone in the AHL. Who are you talking about? My boy, JHS. <laughs> yes. I'm a, I'm a fan of him. I know that, you know, he, he's a little outspoken and, and, you know, he sometimes should just keep his mouth shut. But we need that zone entry. That's where we're struggling. Like, we get caught, like, at center ice with our pants down, like every single night, like we don't know how to get the puck in deep on the power play. And we 100% and like, we live and die by Barzell taking the puck in and the teams know it at this point. That's so I, I I think they need to, to mix it up, like just mix it up, throw some different combinations together. Hopefully they're doing it at practice and seeing what, you know, which guys are meshing together. But you know, Bailey's, Bailey could, you know, sneak up onto that first power play, and I wouldn't hate that because he's a playmaker, and that's what they need. They need some setup guys. So for my thing with Bailey on, on the first power play is that he takes too long to make that decision. He always hangs on to that puck way too long, and it's not that he usually gets it knocked off his own stick. Is that he enables the defenders to get in a position to minimize any sort of pass or lane that he might have tried to create for himself. Um Ultimately, my first power play, and I've said it before on another podcast here, like one of our patrons, I think, it was your back line has to be Devin Tays, Ryan Pulak, and then your top three forwards has to be Matthew Barzell, Anders Lee, and Brock Nelson. Okay. That, that has to be it. Bailey's going to be down, or not Bailey, but Barzell's going to be down low trying to catch the garbage and then try to get a play up, up front into the slot. Lee does what Lee does. Uh, Nelson has that. We've seen him be able to rip a one-timer from cross ice from the other side, from the right side. Uh, and then Pulak is going to be in the OV office no matter what. And then Devin Taves controls the play. He's the one who quarterbacks it all because he's got that, like you said, head on a swivel. He sees it all. He can see what's going on and he can make that pass. And if he can't, he can get it on net. He may not have a shot as strong as Ryan Pulak, but like you said, it's as accurate, if not it's more accurate. And so it's going to get to a person like Anders Lee who can bang it home. So would you consider 
switching Bailey and and uh and Nelson. Cuz Bailey would... also has pretty wicked wrist wrist shot and he can bury a few as well. Cuz Brock is slow with the puck too. So I I I I can see that line working with Bailey too if they put him on there. I could I could go with it. Uh Bailey's my boy, but he just he's been too slow with me when it comes to moving it. And it's not I guess you're right. Like Brock Nelson hasn't been, you know, uh, a cheetah with the puck necessarily moving it like crazy. Uh, he just gives me I, I like having one timers and I like having the availability of a one timer on either side. And Brock Nelson does that. It's not to say that Bailey doesn't give a one timer. It's that he's not as opt to use it as Brock Nelson would. And so I, I would I would much prefer that. But I, I, I would I wouldn't mind uh, a Josh Bailey there on, on, on the right side. Yeah, either one interchangeable. But I, I like that first power play. I, I think having Pulak and Taze and Taze quarterback and. I'm I'm all for it, man. I think they got to try something different because it's obviously not working. Yeah, because again, against the Flames, so they had four power play opportunities and Nick Letty had five minutes and 18 seconds of power play time. The second closest was Ryan Pulak at two minutes and four seconds. So, so, That's a wow. huge difference. That's a huge and what? Like, how do you? Why would you three more minutes for Nick Letty? He wasn't doing anything. Yeah, I I think it's not the Nick Letty of old lately. Mm-hmm. You know, the past two years, two seasons, you'd say. Yeah, absolutely. Been on the decline. So maybe not full two seasons. Uh, December of last season when it started. Yeah. So why not just give give Taze a shot? See what he's got. Yeah, he had a a buck fifty last night, or yeah, it was last night against the Flames. You, you he even gave Adam Pellick fifty two seconds. Come on, like you're willing to try Adam Pellick, but you weren't willing to shave off three minutes of Nick Letty. Although I I think at one point the Islanders did have they were able to control uh, the play in the flame zone for a sustained amount of time, and so I think that leads to a lot of Nick Letty's time. But I, I don't think it accounts for three minute difference. No, I I think they got to. F- Fix something. And I know everyone says, like, oh, fire Scott Gomez to the moon. But people, think about it. You you really think that Trotz is giving Scott Gomez 100% control of the power play? Come on now. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, no. no. Like, once things started going bad on the power play, Trotz has been probably working with them all practice. Yeah. You would have to, he's not, again, he's not the guy who's deciding everything, but you would imagine that the final say goes through him. Yes. Yeah. And, like get off. If he Scott like Gomez. something, he'll say something. Yeah. I think Scott Gomez on the team is like the buffer between the coaches and the players, right? That, <laughs> that's got, that's gotta be like the guy, like when something is going on in the locker room or like they, they have a optional practice that is turned into a, a regular practice, like a mandatory practice, like. That's the guy they talk to like, hey, what's up, Gomez? What's up with that? <laughs> like, I, I feel like that's the only person on the team that players can go to because everyone else on the coaching staff is not listening to it. No, they're not going to. And I think you're right. He's like the good cop to the bad cop type thing. Yeah, that's his role. Yeah. So with what would you do with the second power play? We'll, we'll finish the power play talk and then we'll talk about one last little thing real quick before we get into our social segment because there's something to talk about, I feel. Um, I if we 
we bring up Josh Hosang. Yeah. He could be like the Barzell of the second power play unit. He could be the entry guy, the, you know, dangling a little bit, getting some space out there. And then, you know, if we keep Bailey on the second power play, Bailey can be the Brock Nelson of that line. And then we need an, another big body in the front in front that can get those dirty goals. Maybe try out Matt Martin. I don't I, like a big body that can get physical in front of the net. Man, like what the Boston Bruins throws it in a chair out there. So why the heck not? Yeah. You know, I, I get it. They tried Cal in that position, but Cal it's is not, not that Cal's not that big of a body. He gets tossed around sometimes, too. Yeah. And it's not his game. Like he's the one who does the toss and not receives the tossing necessarily. Uh, he had that one nice goal from from Pulak a couple nights ago. I think it was against the Oilers where he like tipped it over um, Mikko Koskinen from the slot. But that that's few and far between from Cal Clutterbuck on the power play. Yeah, or put Cal in that like top of the circle slot where he can be like that OV roll and just rip slappers because Cal has a wicked shot too and quick release. So he's he's not maybe the net front presence, but maybe you could put him somewhere else on the power play. But just I, I think we need a big body that can screen goalies in front of the net on that second. Yeah. Unit. I like that idea. And then we can get the Johnny Boychuk slappers from the, the, the point that go uh, that, that can bleed through because the goalie just doesn't see it coming. So I like that very much. Or there's a big body down in Bridgeport right now. Who's the big body? Is it Koivala? Yeah, dude. He yeah. is a monster. Like, because we went down in the tunnel when they were here in Charlotte to, to high-five the players back onto the ice, and he yeah. was just like, towering over everyone else down there my he's God. a big boy so you know maybe put him in the front of the net and you know give him a shot these last couple of games of this the season and see how he works out we got to try something because yeah. you can't go into the playoffs with a cold power play like that no you're right koivala is six five one ninety and that that weight uh, was probably outdated he's probably closer to 200 now <laughs> that's, yeah. a big, that's a big boy that's a big boy yeah uh, okay, one last thing. Um, the Islanders made some moves to address, I guess, some some depth issues. They brought in uh, Dennis Seidenberg. Why well, not brought in? I guess he was always around, but they gave him a a non PTO contract, uh, and and Jeremy Smith as as a backup goalie as, who was already there in Bridgeport. Um, I made some comments on 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 Twitter to say like, are we saying this is a good thing? And a lot of people shot back saying like it's just a depth issue, and I get it. It is it is a depth depth issue, but it's just when you see the trade deadline happens and you see that there are players available and the death player they're bringing is Dennis Eidenberg, who we know is not very good. It's just kind of like, really? It does not irk with you with a lot of confidence. But I get it. It's just a depth. I get it, people. You stop. Man, you guys pissed off my little dog, Rufio. You probably heard in the background with all this talk of our depth players. But um, I got a little scared with that Jeremy Smith signing. Like, I know it was like a, a, a paper move. But yeah. I instantly went into my group message I had with all the other meetup groups. I was like, are one of our goalies on the trading block right now? Because mm. you don't really hear of many teams with two goalies in the top five of both save percentage and goals against. Like, that, I feel like their trade value is probably through the roof. That's true. Yeah. And, no, and I was like, and UFA and all that stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. Like, can can you imagine trading a guy that's, in the Vesna conversation at the trade deadline, like what no. his value would have been. Uh, I, I, 
I wouldn't want to take it because I, I I'd I'd rather keep him for another couple of years because like oh, of man. course like I'm I'm a big Leonard guy too but I was just like thinking in my possible? mind like is this possible right now <laughs> and, doomsday scenario <laughs> yeah but if it's just the roster move and like Seidenberg has a pretty good connection with Barzell and if that's you know makes him happy a little bit or more comfortable whatever. It, I don't think it really means too much at the end of the day. I think he has a lot of people that he needs to climb over before he gets into the lineup. I was sure as God hopes so. It's just it, when I see that and I go, isn't that what Ajo is for? Isn't that what Parker Wertherspoon's for? Um, I, I would hate that if, if one guy goes down, they bring him up. They also speeze us. You're like, I just, it just seems like it wasn't necessary. I get it. It's depth. It just doesn't seem necessary. And I just wanted to get that out there. I get it, people. I get it. So I, I also think that uh, Lou is considering Bridgeport's success because it's been a long time since they've won anything down there as well. That's true. So like, I don't, and I'm pretty sure his son Chris is like running Bridgeport. So like, I don't think he wants to do Chris dirty and be like, all right, you guys are making a playoff run. I'm taking all your, all your <laughs> prospects. All your players belong to us. Yeah. So I, I maybe he's considering that too. I don't know, but yeah, you know we've seen what Aho can bring. He's still producing down in the AHL, and uh, Mitch Vandesopel's a good defenseman down there as well. Yeah. So you know, there's definitely options, and you would think that Seidenberg's last resort. I would hope so, point. especially God, since he so. you know hasn't stepped foot on ice in what half a season at least. Well, he hasn't played this year, right? He's just practicing, so... God. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's went, been way too long. It's been way too long since you've played, like, a full-speed game. Yeah. So, that's got to be, like, someone's leg fell off. <laughs> <In my book. laughs> Three people's legs fell off. Those gangrene is going around in the... Or is it gangrene that, like, limbs just fall off? Or is there something else? Oh, uh, that sounds right to me. I thought it was something with an L. God, why can't I think it? Leprosy. There it oh, is. Oh, God. There's a leper colony in the Islanders' <laughs> dressing room, and then they got to call in Dennis Seidenberg. They're a bigger fish to fry if that's the case. <laughs> yeah, but I, I feel like when you when you don't do anything on the trade deadline and then those are yes. the new, the moves you announce, that's when the fan base is like, what the heck? Like, maybe do those those signings a, a week earlier before the trade done, before the trade deadline, and then I people think, forget. Yeah. I think it was just like a, uh, the rosters expanding at the same time type thing. It was just a timing issue. Yeah. So it's fine. Okay. Social segment. Uh, I had written down in our running order that the Connor McDavid suspension and how he didn't learn from it because that was seen prevalent. And then there was a stupid video that came out. So I think we need to talk about that at least briefly. Yeah. Wait, we've got 10 minutes to, to, to talk about the video itself. Okay. Um, first of all, like, News 12 is irrelevant, and if you're getting your sports coverage from News 12, you need to reevaluate your life because only my mom watches News 12, <laughs> and, like, all she watches is News 12 and the doctors. So, like, if you want to put yourself in that category, by all means, go ahead. But there's <laughs> way better Islanders content out there that the national media and whatnot should have picked up on. Like, we have fantastic podcasts in this in this fan base that yep. cover our team just as well as any of the news outlets in New York. And 
the fact that News 12 did this as like clickbait is just comical on their part. And I feel like it's embarrassment of News 12, not necessarily the people that were in the video. No, but the fact that they put out something that like an eighth grader could have produced. <laughs> I and also I don't get the Dear John thing. Is that just kind of play on like World War Two letters of Dear John? Is that, yeah, is that it was corny. It was that's oh the only way God. I could say it. like it was just so corny and I feel bad that the the fan base is attacking some of the people in the video that were showing a little emotion yeah. and were passionate, but you you gotta just attack news twelve if you're gonna attack anyone because that was poorly done and it just was not a good representation of our fan base. And I watched on Facebook Live, they kind of tried to justify why they even put this video out. And it even when they were trying to justify it, it just sounded like they were trying to get people to watch that video. And it was clickbait. Yeah. It, it, I think it's just tone deaf and or like a, an organization that didn't really know what was going on. It's just trying to like, we know something's important is happening. Let's try to figure something out. It's unfortunate. I, I think it could have been done better. Uh, again, the, the reactions were genuine and they came from a real place and that's nothing to be ridiculed for. If that's how you feel, then by all means, feel the way you want to feel. Uh, Lighthouse Hockey had a great post today. Um, from Dom about the entire experience of uh, and what it means for Islanders fans going into this game and, and why it's a big deal. And, and I think that needed to happen because this video kind of, I felt, stole a lot of thunder from getting into this game that's happening tomorrow. Like John Tavares is going to play in the Nassau Coliseum for the first time as a Toronto Maple Leaf tomorrow. And this video came out and it felt like, at least to me, kind of sucked the wind out of a lot of things. It's not to say that people weren't going to feel the way they wanted to feel. But to me, it felt that at least even just to myself, I'd have to check myself going, am I am I going to be ridiculed for how I feel because of how we've been portrayed as a fan base? And, and that this piece by by Dom, I felt like kind of it, it obviously didn't have nothing to do with the video itself. It had everything to do with how we feel as Islanders fans towards the John Tavares situation. what that video was presenting towards or what was projecting as us as the fan base and it really allowed at least myself to kind of go like all right i know i can be i can feel the way i want to feel tomorrow i can do what i want to do tomorrow and i will feel right about it again i'm not going to throw anything on the ice because i'm not a ridiculous person um but it, it just felt that was the perfect thing to do and, I, and I'm, I'm glad that 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 dom did it yeah, I gotta I gotta read that because I I haven't read his piece yet. I I do follow Lighthouse Hockey, so I I I'm now very curious about that. Um, listen, we're all fans. Do what yes. you want to do. You know that's why you're paying to go to the game. I get it. Do not boo the nat- the Canadian national anthem because that's stupid. And my boy Mitch right here is gonna be hurt <laughs> if you do it. And, I'm a real sad. And I and I tweeted about how Canada has produced many fantastic things that we should be thanking them for, including Dallas Green, who is a <laughs> god. So, yeah. Do not boo the Canadian National Anthem. Um, boo whatever you want to do. Just, you know, it's your moment. You paid money to go to this game. Yep. Have fun. Go to the Yes Men tailgate. <laughs> do so, Yes. And play some hockey with Mitch and rip some slappers Please. at him. 
So I know he's stocked up his goalie equipment and he's ready to go. <laughs> he got everything packed. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't want to. I don't want to tell the webcam there. There you go. There's the goalie gear in the corner. Oh, there. He's so. all. He is all packed, people. For who is not seeing that, <laughs> it is go. all ready to go. Yeah, it's it's a weird. Like I kind of just want this game to be over now. People are reaching out to me like, "Hey, are you doing a meetup in down Charlotte for this?" And I'm like, "Nah, it's a Thursday night. I'm a fourth grade teacher. I'm gonna watch it at home." Like. Um, it's a regular season game. I get it. We have a lot of emotions towards him, but I'm over it. He's a cake eater. That's my best. Yeah. Yeah. Cake eater. That's amazing. That's, that's that. what should have picked up instead of snake. Like he's a cake eater. He's Adam Banks. <laughs> oh man. That's a good, one. I like cake eater. It just sounds better to say than he's a snake. Yeah. Just Either. It just makes it. him sound like a dweeb, and he is. He's such he a is. dweeb. He's such a dweeb. Like no insult to his, his hockey skills and anything, but oh. he's a, he's a dweeb. The guy's a dweeb. Yeah. yeah, that's it. That's all he knows is hockey. Like when he was in high school, a girl would be like, "Hey, John, I think you're cute. I only play hockey." That's it. <laughs> How do I get better at my power play conversion rate? Yeah. So oh. I'm, I'm, and that, and I've talked about this on my podcast, like John Tavares. Should never be a captain. He was never a captain for us. He's not a captain. I like I that like, call, yeah. I feel like there is a certain personality you need to have to be a captain and to win over your locker room. Like, all your boys are shotgunning beers at your buddy's <laughs> bachelor party or whatever that is, and you're just sitting there like a mope. Like, come on now. Like, that's not my captain. I, I like to sip on water. Or, yes. or, or motor oil. Motor yeah. oil tastes good. Yeah. So, you know, have your fun tomorrow night. Be loud as hell. And, you know, be respectful at the end of the day because, you know, national media is going to be watching closely to just bash us once again. And just be come together. Like, be in it all together. Don't judge another fan because they're doing something, you know, that you wouldn't do or it's not cool to you it's like the the guy at the show that's in the back with his arms crossed like i'm cooler than these guys <laughs> it's like no dude you're at the same show as everyone else why don't you just loosen up a little bit and have a little fun that's right we've all paid the same entrance fee we've all known them since album number one let's be part of this yeah and that's kind of like what the meetup crew is all about like we just want to bring everyone together support each other and show the world that the Islanders fan base is as diehard as you're going to find. Yes. Okay. With that, we will, we'll end it, but you got any plugs, any meetups you have coming up or any meetups you, you want to, to mention, um, yeah, we that have coming up that you know one. of, we have a big one on March 9th. Uh, the MSG MSG crew is coming down to experience what a Charlotte meetup is all about. We got, Barn Rock are going to be stocked in the in down in Charlotte. We got uh, some awesome giveaway, uh, not giveaways, but raffles that we're going to raise for the Grice Camp. So uh, Sean Kahn, that artist that does those one of a kind pieces, he's kind enough to donate a Mike Pekka piece that we're going to be raffling off. Oh, nice. um, yeah, we're working on a few other pieces to make sure that this is the biggest and best meetup we've ever had, and I'm really excited about that. Um, then we have our Philly group has tickets for the March 23rd game. Don't quote me. They have a, you know, an event page on their Twitter account that you can find the link for tickets. Um, 
Yes Men Outfitters is my homie, and he has a big tailgate tomorrow night, so go check that out. And then uh, on a personal note, I got a, a podcast that I've started with Devin, the Bar Down Breakdown podcast, and we're not an Isles podcast, which we like to joke. Um, it's a hockey and music podcast and the crossover between the two worlds. We've had uh, some sweet guests, Brian Byrne from Envy on the Coast, uh, Nick Gambarian from Bayside. So like big name people are coming on our podcast to just talk about their love of hockey. They might root for different teams, but, you know, I'm a hockey fan above all everything else. So I can support a diehard fan of any other team, too. There you go. Yeah, you can appreciate where they come from. Yeah. Beauty. Well, Mike, it was a pleasure having you on for a full hour. It was a pleasure to talk aisles with you. And I'm sad you won't be there tomorrow, but and I'll, I'll go see Devin for you. Yeah, like give Devon. him a hug. Yeah, Dev- <laughs> yes, everyone who's listening, go say what's up to Devon. He's going to hate this so much. Yeah, he's going to hate it a lot, but it's all good. He, he Give him a hug. He's a big teddy bear. Yes, I love seeing Devon. I can't wait to see him. It's going to be great. Yeah, I'm jealous. I'm going to be following closely. Uh, I know you guys are going to be loud. And if you're listening, why not? Sing that Canadian national anthem loud and proud, people, like we did with the Nash, the, the American national anthem, the Star Spangled Banner, or whatever the heck we call it, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Sing it loud and proud, both of them, and let's just make a a statement, right? Beauty, I love it. Just be part of it, everyone. Just be part of it, Mike. Yep. Thank you so much. Uh, it's good talking to you, brother. Amen. Peace be All with right. you. I'll see you later. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com.